0: this is mark pender for Econa day with mark rogers senior economist with Econa day the employment report is on friday the Econa day consensus is 167,000 right in line with the prior 165,000 is uh, well what do you see ahead mark
1: well it's going to be a big issue for the fed the fed is clearly focused on you know what's the next turning point for quantitative easing, that is, whether the Fed's going to taper or not. And they're focusing on two things, the unemployment rate, labor market conditions overall, not just the unemployment rate, and inflation expectations. So it's going to be big news for traders in terms of whether there's improvement in the labor market or not. Personally, I don't think the Fed's going to change quantitative easing soon. However, the markets clearly tried to anticipate, and if there's some improvement in the labor market in terms of payroll jobs or the unemployment rate, they're going to anticipate and make their move now instead of when the Fed actually makes its move.
0: Well, the economy consensus for the unemployment rate is like the non farm payrolls, unchanged really at 7.5%. Uh, is this enough, these moderate levels of, uh, of growth uh, improvement, if uh, not even sure if it's improvement, but of growth in the labor market, is this enough to keep uh, that uh, balance between uh, good data? Uh, hurting the market because of expectations of uh, uh, change in Fed policy, or as we saw today with the ISM, uh, a weak report helping the market is wh- wh- where. What's the line? Do you think for that is the one sixty five one sixty seven consensus? Is that something that would be neutral market neutral?
1: Well, we're we're taping Monday afternoon, and you're right. We saw a very disappointing ISM manufacturing report. The key issue is, is good news good news or is good news bad news? Uh, Actually, the reverse is bad news good news or is bad news bad news? And that essentially relates to whether the markets see the Fed is keeping quantitative easing in place as is or starting to taper sooner or later.
0: Well, what numbers would you have to? Do you think we'd have to see? uh, Would a two hundred thousand gain in payroll? Would that uh, set alarms off?
1: Exactly. That's the big question. Uh, My guess is the Fed keeps saying, Fed officials keep saying, we're not going to rely on just one month, and that's rational. Uh, We've seen sluggish but positive gains in payroll employment. My guess is, for the Fed to actually move on quantitative easing—that is, actually taper—they're going to need to see several months of 200,000 plus gains.
0: Well, now the Hawks were calling already, calling for uh, an increase or a tapering long before we saw uh, we, we saw 200,000 increases. Uh,
1: that's one of the issues. Monetary policy has long lags, and the hawks are worried about inflation. But if we turn to last week's personal income report, we had very modest gains in terms of inflation. Uh, Basically the PCE headline number came in at minus 0.3% in April. And we had the core PCE rising only one percent on a month 0.1% on a monthly basis. That puts the headline year-on-year figure at 0.7% and the core year on year at 1.1%. You can compare that to the Fed's medium-term goal of 2%. So basically the inflation issue is off the table for the near term. The hawks clearly can say, well, we need to think ahead.
0: Uh, well, let's uh, actually uh, take the other line, and let's say we have uh, a very weak uh, report, uh, perhaps under 100,000, perhaps uh, lower than that, and maybe a rise in the unemployment rate. Uh, that could give the doves... Uh, some uh, strong momentum in their policy uh, pursuits, especially given what you were uh, pointing out as uh, this non-inflationary environment. Could we begin, would we hear talk of adding new quantitative easing? Is that, can it shift and pivot uh, as quickly as that?
1: Let's go back to what the Fed has actually stated in its FOMC statements. And the Fed has emphasized flexibility, and that is specifically the first move. The next first move is going to be in terms of the amount of asset purchases. And the Fed has emphasized that the asset purchases, you know, there's the mortgage-backed securities, I think it's uh, $40 billion a month. Treasuries, long-term, $45 billion a month. That's the plan currently. But the Fed has emphasized that there's flexibility in both directions. The Fed could either increase those purchases or decrease those purchases. And those decisions would be made
0: at the uh, scheduled FOMC. Uh, is that the presumption? Is there any a possibility that there would be any kind of uh, intermeeting move uh, where they would actually change their uh, the amounts that they that they purchase? Is that a possibility?
1: Theoretically, the Fed could. However, the the recovery is continuing. It's not where we want it to be. My guess is, if the Fed did something in between meetings, it could actually spook the market. So I don't think. We can anticipate anything in between FOMC meetings. So really, the Fed's really trying to keep the markets calm and telegraph future actual moves. Uh, Whenever the Fed changes asset purchases, you're going to hear about it in advance. So I think currently the Dove's are in control of the FOMC. The Hawks, they're pointing out the risk. That's a good thing. But uh, you know any any new move is likely going to be telegraphed and the market's going to be watching. You know, I, I don't think inflation's going to be an issue for a little while. So it's really an issue of whether the labor market's improving or not. That's going to be everything from the employment situation report to jobless claims numbers to even uh, reports such as the Jolts report.
0: The, um, mm-hmm. We were talking about inflation, uh, and Bernanke had mentioned in his uh, testimony uh, in Washington a couple weeks back about incipient, incipient deflation that came out and you were talking about these low pce rates and in today's ism report we had a second month of no change for input prices raw material prices and, per, and purchasers are uh reporting that they're waiting for prices to come down now is this a, a psychology is there are we seeing what the doves could point to as as something significant here
1: i i think the doves have the argument currently um, The various regional reports on manufacturing have been soft recently, including on the price side. Uh, We're seeing commodity prices soften a bit, and the key inflation reports, CPI and the personal income report, show very sluggish numbers on inflation. So, the, the Fed has room to continue further quantitative easing as planned
0: um and speaking of the fed on your Accounta day calendar on wednesday at the bottom of the of the uh column you'll see the beige book at two uh o'clock now when you were at the atlanta fed mark did you help prepare the beige book
1: <laughs> there were times that i did and uh that was always interesting um You know, we we would pull together information that was sent from the various uh, Fed regional banks. And, you know, it was an alternating duty where each bank would take turns pulling it all together and summarizing. Uh,
0: And you're talking to uh, businesses, the different district banks are talking to businesses in their district and uh, a list of questions.
1: Uh, It was very open-ended. This is one thing that's very interesting about the Fed. The Fed, many people don't realize, the Fed is very populist in terms of getting current economic news. the, The Fed has regional board directors. It's not just the... The district bank cities is the regional cities that the bank relies upon for uh, maintaining bank transactions. So their board of directors at these various subdistrict cities and they send information to the Fed and send you know, basically, you know, here's what we're seeing on the ground. So essentially, the Beige Book is really a heavily dependent, reliable source of here's what's happening on the ground according to our business contacts. So the Fed really, truly is getting the latest anecdotal information ahead of official Data out of Washington,
0: and these are uh, you were talking about how it's a, uh, has a populist sampling technique, but it's presented broken down in uh, categories, uh, and uh, so you get the impression that it's a, a, it's a highly structured uh, uh, data.
1: Well, it, it's partially structured and partially not. Is it's really you know, the the Fed district banks are saying. Tell us what you think. Tell us what's going on. And usually there are various categories that are covered, you know, labor markets, wages, various costs. But it's, it's very open-ended. And, you know, essentially with the subdistrict district uh, cities for transactions for carrying out Uh, Fed transactions and the local board of directors, it's very, very local, and they can say whatever they want to say in their weekly, or, or not weekly, but reports ahead of the FOMC meetings. Basically, the Fed has their finger on the pulse of the economy from local contacts,
0: and this spans uh, how many different Fed inputs are, are there? Are, are there fifteen, twenty? Uh, uh, how many? Uh, what I'm really getting at is how many people are, are collecting the data.
1: Uh, basically, it's related to the board of directors at each of the district subsidies and it varies by region. Uh, each region has a number of local subsidies where the Fed conducts transactions and clearing housing actions. Uh, those have actually wound down a bit in recent years due to, well, transactions cutting back. Um, so, so it depends on each district and which the cities still have clearinghouse uh, transactions. And for each of those cities, their local board of directors, you know, key business leaders, key company leaders. So the Fed still has you know, a finger on the local economy and very up to date.
0: And the Beige Book basically has been pointing to a modest economic growth. Is that right, Mark?
1: Modest growth is the correct phrase. And I don't think modest growth is going to be enough to change quantitative easing in the near term. It's going to take more than modest growth. It's going to take bringing the unemployment rate down not based on a reduction in the labor force, which actually is a negative reason for the the unemployment rate to come down, but actually based on gains in household unemployment and they're going to look at a broad number of uh, indicators for the labor market, including probably initial unemployment claims, probably the um, Uh, basically the initial unemployment claims have flattened lately Uh, it's an interesting quandary uh, for this employment report coming up we've had positive numbers on consumer confidence consumer sentiment and part of that was related to a little bit better view on the labor market in contrast Initial jobless claims have flattened, and that points to little progress on payroll employment. So it's going to be a little bit of a quandary, and you know we'll see how it plays out on Friday.
0: Thanks a lot. That's Mark Rogers of Econoday, and I'm Mark Pender of Econoday.